0: To support the podcast, please follow the link in the show notes, and follow our Instagram at Los Angeles Mysteries. Kelling thrills thousands, guns blazing away at mysterious target. Stork delivers 14 babies as anti-aircraft guns roar. (laughs) As dawn approached, thousands of persons were stranded in their homes and unable to get to work. Streetcars, private automobiles, and taxis were not allowed to move until after the all-clear was sounded. Said a street railway official, Oh, it's tremendous. All our equipment has been ordered out, but it'll take several hours to get back to normal. Joan Fontaine and Gary Cooper early today were presented Hollywood's most coveted awards, gold-plated Oscars, for best screen performance during the past year. One plane reported downed on Vermont Avenue by gunfire the 77th Street Police Station did not disclose whether it was an enemy craft. Unconfirmed was the report of two others shot down. An unidentified object moving slowly down the coast from Santa Monica was variously reported as a balloon and an airplane. Some observers claimed to have seen two planes over Long Beach. Navy Secretary Knox, at a Washington press conference, said that his information indicated it was just a false alarm. There were no planes over Los Angeles last night. At least that's our understanding. None have been found, and very wide reconnaissance has been carried out. Some odd spectators swore they saw formations of planes. Others contended that the objective looked more like a blimp. Others said it could be, but they couldn't see a doggone thing. While others contended smoke puffs from exploding shells were mistaken for planes. Greetings, Earthlings. Out in the Mojave Desert, I stumbled upon a strange device, half buried in the sand. It's kind of like an old ham radio. But the weirdest part is, it can pick up stories from the past. We're using it to investigate L.A.'s outer space craze in the mid-20th century. What hovered above Los Angeles one evening in 1942, triggering the first military attack on a UFO. Had anything at all been in the air that night? Was it an enemy plane? Or was it something else? Stay tuned for Terror in the Air! After the raid, live and dud bombs lay dormant around the city. A shell is found nestled in the asphalt at Pico Boulevard and Blythe Avenue downtown. A dud that landed in a Santa Monica intersection sent one family scrambling to protect their children with pillows and bedsheets while Mr. and Mrs. Watson next door head out to investigate. Ah, here's where it hit. But I have to go to work. The plasterer then drives his car over the explosive and proceeds to his job. Officials rush to evacuate the Santa Monica neighborhood as explosives expert, Sergeant C.M. Weathers, arrives on the scene. They rope off the street and hang a warning on the caution cord. Unexploded bomb. A hushed crowd watches on while Sergeant Weathers delicately resurrects the shell from the earth. So focused is he on securing the live round that a press photographer manages to sneak in close for some shots. Excuse me. Could you dust it off a little bit so I could take a photo? Oh, would you like me to put a little sandpaper on it? Blow us all to hell. Never mind. That'll do just fine. Long Beach had the appearance of a huge Easter egg hunt. Kitties and even grown-ups scrambled through the streets and vacant lots, picking up and proudly comparing chunks of shrapnel fragments as if they were the most prized possessions they owned. In total, Los Angeles lobbed 1,400 rounds into its airspace. Most, if not all of it, rained back down onto the streets. As the dust settles, for the first time, some Angelinos suspect that whatever was fired upon was not a Japanese fleet. A few higher-ups go against Secretary Knox's version of events. After all, many believe they had seen something in the sky themselves. And what about the multiple radar contacts seeming to confirm objects above? An anonymous official reports to the Pasadena Star We have information that there were planes in the air after the blackout began and flew over the district from Santa Monica to Long Beach and inland as far as Huntington Park. And most notably, Secretary of War Henry Stimson overtly defies Secretary Knox's press statement, saying that the Army's investigation into the matter is ongoing. the Army conducts a thorough 24-hour examination, announcing the very next day that they have concluded one to five unknown craft had flown over the city. Stimson believes they were possibly commercial planes from secret fields in California or Mexico, or maybe recon planes launched from Japanese submarines. The stark conflict coming from the brass is enough for one publication to print. This is no time for squabbling. The first recorded mass sighting of a UFO over American soil, one that got the attention of Washington, D.C., had just occurred in Los Angeles. So hadn't someone taken a film or photograph of the skies that night? It did happen in the city of Celluloid. That would provide some answers, right? Well, somewhere in the chaos, a press photographer did manage to capture a beguiling image of nine or so military searchlights apparently fixed on something in the sky. The image is one of the most tantalizing pieces of evidence in ufology. Like all good UFO photos, it at once shows something and nothing. The object being overilluminated by a preponderance of searchlights. And, like all good UFO photos, it comes with some controversy. The original photo has been enhanced twice by 1940s newspaper artists. At first glance, this may seem intentionally deceptive, however... It was common practice during that time to touch up negatives to improve their quality for print. What's more, even when only scrutinizing the original untouched photo, there is still clearly something sitting drenched in the light. Forensic photo analyst and former LA Times photographer, George Reese, examined the untampered negative to determine if what the photo shows could be an optical effect, or a physical object. By adjusting the picture's brightness and contrast, he noted that the lights are brightest at their convergence, where the supposed object is. While beyond the object, the beams fade out or stop entirely. Something appears to be blocking the light. That could be indicative of a tangible object in the sky and not merely a graphic aberration. Stopping short of identifying it, Reese finds some evidence consistent with a physical phenomenon. So, what was it? What started the mess above LA in 1942? For the Secretary Knox types, the prevailing belief is that nothing was in the air that night, other than ordinary war jitters, and there is some evidence to support this. A witness near an aircraft factory with long-range field glasses directed at the searchlights saw not one single plane all the time the firing was going on. In 1949, An official retrospective review of the events compiled documents and witness testimony in an aim to determine the likely cause of the uproar. Among the accounts collected were a few reports of a completely empty sky. Captain Bailey searched with his radar at the intersection of the searchlight, but got nothing. Lieutenant Gaines, on top of a five-story building at Anaheim and Daisy Streets, could find no target with his binoculars in the intersection of his two lights, nor did his radar give anything. Colonel Henry C. Davis thought for a few minutes that he saw from 10 to 15 planes over Inglewood, but soon decided it was drifting smoke. He did not believe any planes at all were present. However, the report contains far fewer instances of nothing being seen than something. Over the years, several theories have been proposed as to what that something could be. These explanations can, more or less, be broken down into three main categories. Number one. Traditional, friendly, or enemy aircraft. Lieutenant Anderson at the Douglas plant at Long Beach saw a plane through his elevation scope and also his binoculars. His height finder read 6,725 yards. A few minutes later, he saw a flight of three planes through his binoculars at the same height. Lieutenant Buchanan saw from 20 to 30 planes over the city from the roof of his hotel, at eighth and flower. Sergeant Bowman, he estimated they were at twenty thousand feet with his naked eye. 150 from San Diego Street, Lieutenant Head, three they appeared to be bombers three saw three of three feet. planes, but his radar picked up nothing. Private Lieutenant Benedictson and two of his, his men flight counted fourteen planes. planes Captain a Hyde Lieutenant Niles and saw two of six planes with glasses, saw a Colonel Barsha of three planes which flew two courses. Most observers saw two courses flown. I could barely see the planes, but they were up there all right. I could see six planes and shells were bursting all around them. Naturally, all of us fellows were anxious to get our two cents worth in, and and when the command came, everybody cheered like a son of a gun. Secretary Stimson said today that unidentified airplanes were over Los Angeles yesterday and were fired on by Army anti-aircraft guns. Aircraft? probably operated by enemy agents, flew over Southern California during the raid alarm early yesterday. Unidentified aircraft, possibly as many as 15. Then, there are the persisting claims of downed aircraft. Sometimes one, sometimes several, quickly roped off and reportedly hauled away under a tarp by secret government officials. There's the Vermont Avenue wreckage, mentioned in a few papers, and at least one report of a crash on the streets of Hollywood. Witnesses insist they had seen the debris from these sites. Some even claim to have spotted a fuselage engraved with strange markings assumed to be Japanese characters. No official documentation corroborates this witness testimony, and all evidence was purportedly carted away, never to be seen again. Had onlookers simply mistaken anti-aircraft fragments for a fallen plane? Had the military or someone from the government actually whisked off a downed enemy fighter? Or was it a friendly craft, perhaps even non-military, struck down by friendly fire? Could it have been the remnants of a black project, a secret government aircraft still classified to this day? Or was it something stranger? One slight variation on the enemy aircraft theory suggests a different sort of air vehicle, namely a dirigible or zeppelin. This would account for the slow speed of the unknown object, often reported by witnesses as traveling far too slow to be a traditional plane. It would also explain why no bombs had been deployed, as a military blimp unable to support the weight of a large explosive would almost certainly be used as a recon ship. However, American lighter-than-air experts would write in saying, the Japanese would not have employed blimps because they could not obtain fireproof helium. Historical experts agree that the Japanese government did not begin deploying military zeppelins in earnest until 1944, and even then, rarely. Moreover, The Japanese government denies ever having entered mainland U.S. airspace at any time during the war. And as one of our closest modern allies, they maintain that to this day. Still, an air raid warden reports to have witnessed. Big bag looks something like a balloon and was torn to shreds by gunfire. If it wasn't an imperial blimp, what could it have been? The 1949 report offers a potential answer. Captain Cohen identified the balloon as a meteorological one when it was illuminated by the searchlights. Two radar did not pick it up, although they searched. Colonel Watson at 0300 saw a balloon, but discovered the meteorological laboratory had sent up a balloon and hence ordered the units of his command to hold their fire. He saw no planes. The most common suggestion for what was in the sky above Los Angeles on February 25th, 1942, is a go-to explanation for UFO skeptics. Two words derided by true believers, perhaps second only to swamp gas. Those two words, weather balloon. Captain Mulder of the 203rd Coastal Artillery saw lights pick up a meteorological balloon at 0300, at 0306, a balloon carrying a red flare was reported over Santa Monica and firing upon it by the 65th and the 205th Coastal Artillery began at 0307 on orders of the controller to destroy it. This solution raises further questions. Namely, outside of the Gardena air raid warden, why had no one reported destroying what would ostensibly be a frail, slow-moving object. On top of that, why had there been so many reports of the object not only evading fire, but withstanding the striking projectiles? I was far enough away to see an object without being able to identify it. I'd be willing to bet what shekels I have that there were a number of direct hits scored on the object, wrote a Times contributor. Angelino, Ralph Blum, recalls a white, cigar-shaped object, impervious to the incoming assault, and carelessly heading east. This is where the ufologists come out to play. In 1942, though rocket ships were a common sight in sci-fi pulp magazines, space travel and, by extension, UFOs and alien visitations were by no means household concepts. The first flying saucer wouldn't land on front pages for another five years. Still, some witnesses spoke of bizarre shapes and movement in the sky, reminiscent of stories not yet written, objects exceedingly different from known craft of the time. Big floating object. Something that looked like a giant butterfly. Looked like some surreal hanging magic lantern. It's a huge, giant object, as big as a locomotive, that came in off the ocean, and it flew right over the top of the Happy Hour Cafe and the apartments. I'd heard a ruckus going on outside—sirens, guns fire, and all that kind of stuff. So I went on out to the Strand, only to see this thing, a few hundred feet above the beach, slowly glide overhead off the ocean not making a sound, because of its length it's taking forever to pass over. Echo Park local, Albert Nozaki, had been outside his home patrolling with a friend when he claims he was dwarfed by an enormous ship. It was huge, dark, very long and wide, with no lights or signs of windows. Although it did not have protruding wings like an airplane, the object's outside edges ominously curved down. As well, other than feeling a slight vibrational hum in my chest as it passed over, the object made no sound. After the war, Nozaki worked as an art director for Paramount Studios. He would incorporate the look and style of the craft he saw, a dark and ominous stingray with downward curling fins, into his design for the Martian ships invading Earth in the 1953 film adaptation of H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds. In the original novel, the aliens terrorize England, The Mercury Theater broadcast brought them to New Jersey. But by the time of the Paramount Picture, the battle had come to Los Angeles. Thank you for listening. We'll be back with the second season of Alien LA, but we need your help. So, if you can, please consider donating by following the links in the description or on our Instagram page, where you can also check out our other mystery L.A. 1909, The Griffith Park Murder Mystery, and look forward to our next series, Occult L.A., The Rocketeer and the Magician. Theme music, research, writing, and narration by me, John E. Marino.